It says this in Luke 2. Uh, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. What a promise that those shepherds got to hear from the voice of an angel in a field announcing the coming king, Jesus Christ, that day. And um, I was trying to think, man, as we develop this series, a five-week series about the peace on earth and, and wrap in the Christmas story into this month and as well just like what represents peace. And I even asked some of my, my kids what represents peace, what's a visual that represents peace. And I immediately thought of something in this visual. And that is snow falling in a street light. Because here's how it works in our neighborhood. Out our dining room window, our neighbor's house has this street lamp, just like that one in front of it. And if there's snow in the forecast, I'll find myself checking that at night all the time. Like I'll walk by and I'll just kind of do this little, you have to kind of scrunch down to see it. And I'll, I'll look over to see if it's rain or snow. That kid in just kind of wells up and makes me think, man, is it snowing yet? You know, uh, you can see it from both downstairs and upstairs. So anytime I'm walking by, I'm just like checking what's falling out there, what's falling out there. And uh, there's something about a snow, like a fresh snow that just stops everything. It's like you can go outside and hear the snow hitting. You can hear the, the little crystals. In fact, this morning I heard that at six out the window of my office as I'm finalizing today and just kind of reviewing the talk this morning. I hear the sound and I kind of peek out the back and it's snowing and I'm like, okay, well, it'll melt by the time service hits. Uh, you know, it's just that moment and uh, I, I love it. But as well, something caught our eye about this visual and that is the reality I think it depicts real life. Because even in the midst of the most peaceful scenario, sometimes you have a little bit of chaos. What's up with the Christmas tree thrown out, laying on its side, lights still on? There's got to be a backstory to that Christmas tree. And in life, it feels like that, doesn't it, sometimes? Maybe we can't explain the peace we're experiencing because our life is more like this tree than it is like the calm of the snow. A little bit of chaos, a little bit of life happening in, a, in an uncomfortable way. We're in a painful scenario, that, but there's beauty in the midst of. There's peace in the midst of. And this visual, I just was so excited to, to come across because I think it really communicates the imagery I want us to walk away from this series with. And that is... No matter what I'm going through, there is a path that could lead to peace. There is peace available in the midst of. And uh, that's, that's going to be our challenge we'll attempt to unpack here. God sends his son to this earth. And we get this promise of peace on earth as the angels announce the coming. A manger welcomed to the God-man. And these angels were going to lead these shepherds to be firsthand witnesses. I got good news. Peace on earth. Like, I know there's a lot going on, but there's peace on earth accessible. And it's going to be through this child who will bring peace on earth. And this peace, what does it look like? 
I mean, the shepherds have been asking it, and I think we're still asking it. What does this peace really look like? How do we live out this peace? How do we experience this peace? And actually, nothing has changed in over 2,000 years. The way we access peace is through Jesus. And what an amazing thing we have to access. So an instance happens, this intersection of peace and chaos uh, in this story, I thought would be really fun to look at today in this first talk of the series. And it's this instance where uh, an interaction happens between someone who's experienced a life that could be called sinful and uh, the peace that comes through Jesus. And it's in Luke 7 and 36 through 50. I'll just, I'll just read through the whole thing. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Pharisee is kind of a religious ruler that has some issues of, of being legalistic. And uh, so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Just pause for that visual, because if you're not a foot person, you're about to gag right now, right? That's just nasty. Okay. Then she kept kissing his feet. <laughs> Real. This is in the Bible. And putting perfume on them. I can get that. I'll just pause and say I have an eight-year-old boy. Nobody in their right mind would do this to his feet. I'm like, what are those? What's the alien coming out of those? Because that smells weird. Okay, 39. Verse 39. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a dun-dun-dun sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I, I suppose the, the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me, or you didn't greet me with a kiss but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of all olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, 
Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. Wow, what a powerful moment. And this woman stretches out her faith in the midst of her chaos. She stretches out her hope in the midst of the life that we don't know how she was led into. We don't know her circumstances or her backstory, but the reality is she decided to risk worshiping Jesus and shows up and is serving him through her sorrow, through her emotion, and it challenged the religious in the room that weren't very, they just took Jesus' presence for granted, didn't even give him the customary ability to clean his feet or anoint his head with oil, but this woman chooses to express her faith with action and the action of worship. Actions of adoration. We sing that, oh, come let us adore him this time of year. Like, grateful for little or grateful for much? How much do we adore him? Christ the Lord. And this moment of love and worship for the one who could shape her freedom and give her peace was a beautiful illustration. And in fact, resulted in her receiving the blessing of her freedom from her sins and forgiveness of sins, but the ability to actually go in peace. Our big idea today is faith is the path of peace. Faith is the path of peace. It was the woman's faith, not her, not her uh, immorality that led her to clean the feet of Jesus, right? They're like, she's sinful and touching his feet, she's sinning. No, it's actually an expression of faith and worship she's active in. And they misinterpreted the moment and judged the individual. To serve him in this, in the only way she knew, she looked for an opportunity and found it. The religiously proud host was aware of her reputation, was aware of her sin, but didn't offer a path for freedom for her or peace for her. So she went about serving Jesus and became this moment, this expression of faith. And all she could muster was to use her hair and perfume, and it resulted in forgiveness, salvation, and the ability to go in peace. Now, this go in peace is a traditional, not greeting, but statement of, I'll see you later, right? Catch you later. Go in peace. It was a common used phrase amongst the people. But it takes on new depth in the, the light of salvation. Your sins are forgiven. Now go in peace. Psalms talks about when your sins are forgiven. It's as white as snow. You're like everything in your life has become a fresh, like snow with no footprints in them yet. Peace. Imagine for that woman that moment that she had probably not experienced since her childhood. Jesus can provide that. There's lots of stories of peace in the, the, this coming up again. I, I, I love the one of... Uh, 
the relatives of Jesus, ultimately, uh, Mary's, the mother of Jesus, her relatives, Zachariah and Elizabeth, found themselves old in age without children. They thought they were being punished by God by not having children. He was serving as a priest, and he got his lot drawn and was able to go into the presence of the Lord and, and, and do this ritual you can read about in, in Luke 1. And yet, when he was in there, God met with him and spoke. Like, for the first time in generations, the voice of God is being heard by Zechariah and tells him he's going to have a son that's going to prepare the way for the Son of God. And he's to name him John. And Zechariah's like, uh, if you haven't noticed, I'm kind of old. <laughs> I don't know if everything's going to work, you know. And uh, so he's having this doubtful conversation with the angel. And the angel said, well, it's going to happen and since you didn't believe, now you won't be able to speak until the baby's born. Fast forward, kind of giving you the cliff notes of the story. Uh, Elizabeth gets pregnant, and, and Zechariah can't say anything about this moment he had with the angel of the Lord until it's almost time for the birth of his son. And, and Mary flees because she's a virgin and is pregnant with the son of God that she's had interactions with angels. And, and so she finds herself with Elizabeth and, and that interaction results in like this Holy Spirit manifestation in Elizabeth's womb that is crazy to read about. All this happens just kind of aligning with all these prophecies in the Old Testament. And then all of a sudden, the birth of John, just as was told by the angel to Zechariah. And Zechariah can all of a sudden speak. And what he chooses to do the moment his lips are open is he confirms that he wants to name his child John, and he breaks out in praise. He, he sings this song of worship to the Lord, that concludes in verses 76 through 79 of Luke 1. It says, You, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because of God's tender mercy. The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. It was this prophetic slash worshipful moment in our history. Zechariah breaks out in because of his understanding of the faithfulness of God that has just occurred through his interactions with an angel the confirmations of everything that was lining up. He was in this moment of awe and worship and overflow from his experience with God and the Holy Spirit. The path of peace. I just want you to have a visual of a path of peace and what that would look like. It's funny that this is before the birth of Jesus and you see the, them questioning, the Pharisees questioning Jesus later, who is this that can forgive sins? Right there in the song, he can forgive sins, right? Bringing light to darkness. Was the woman with the alabaster jar not in darkness? She was. But Jesus was fulfilling what he came to earth to do as the son of God. Peace is more than a farewell or customary goodbye. The path of peace leads us in a way that is secure. 
hopeful, fulfilling life. Romans 5.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. We have peace with God. I have a couple thoughts that I think will help us just grab a hold of what this peace is so that we can dive into it even further in the coming weeks. Thought one is addition. We have to understand the peace of God, this path of peace, is one of addition. John 14, 1427 says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give as a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. The promise of peace throughout Scripture is not a promise of subtraction. It's not, okay, you've chosen to put your faith in Jesus. You've, you've said, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, and now you'll never have trouble anymore. I'm going to subtract worry from you or subtract anxiety or subtract mental illness or subtract uh, loss or subtract persecution. Uh, your, your car will never break down or need an oil change. Congratulations, you chose to follow Jesus. No, that's not the promise here. The promise is in the midst of all those things, there's a path of peace to where you'll not be overcome by all those things. And it'll be unexplainable except through pointing out Jesus. Peace is a gift of addition. It's an added benefit to those who experience salvation through Jesus, whom God finds his blessing on, right? Peace is our source of composure. And I oftentimes am in scenarios where I have conversations with people. How do you do this without faith in Jesus? Because this would freak me out. And I'm grateful that I have that relationship with God that allows me to, to be peaceful in, the, in the, the sight of something that really should derail someone else in that context. Philippians 4, 7. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3, 15. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always thankful. That's what we are being challenged with here is a peace that would would hold on. When we follow Jesus, we set up a rule for our hearts, a law of peace that goes with us to keep us in the midst of trial. Um, I've shared the story probably before, but for those of you who haven't heard it, congratulations. Uh, my dad served in Vietnam, and he was a physician's assistant. His role was to remove the tags and identify the bodies, um, try to get people off the battlefield that were severely hurt. Uh, for some reason, he took pictures of this stuff. And uh, as a kid, we would like go through, there's these things they used to make, slideshows with these little squares. And when 
And we would look at these. To this day, blood does not phase me at all because I saw all that stuff. For some reason, I was allowed to look at it as a child. And uh, uh, that said, though, my dad goes back for checkups. And they're always surprised that he's normal. <laughs> Somewhat, you know. Uh, he's, he'll go, he's just a person. He's a calm personality quiet, peaceful, and um, he'll go in and, and they'll go, ask him all these questions to see when he's going to lose it, basically, you know, because most people who served in his role have been through dozens of marriages, they're homeless, they're mentally ill, they're in prison, you know, all these statistics, and they're like, okay, so now how again are you normal? And my dad comes back with the same answer every 10 years when he goes in for his checkup. And that's, well, I made a decision long ago to follow Jesus as my Lord. And no matter what I face, he's kept me from losing it, you know. They usually warn him. They do. There's one little thing that shows up on him. If he ever witnesses any of his kids getting hurt, He'll basically turn into Rambo. So I don't know. I'm glad that hasn't happened yet. But I couldn't picture my dad just like, Hurrah! you know. Anyway, so that's hopefully will never happen. He's kept his peace. Jesus has been faithful. Uh, but it's crazy to think, right, of some of the challenges that we could face if we didn't have Jesus. This is one of those things that, that elevates that understanding. Uh, and, and for me and for our family, we've been able to be grateful for the fact that our dad followed Jesus. For my brothers, that my dad followed Jesus and wasn't out there missing, lost, confused. Um, thought two, action. So addition and action today. The path of peace is marked by action, and I think that's, it, it's what is evident to others. Action is what makes others realize something's different in our spirit. Uh, offering peace without, the, uh, without actions of a person with peace is confusing to the world around us, almost hypocritical. In fact, James, in the book of James, it addresses this. In James 2.16, one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? Right? Like, what good is it for us to say, hey, have a peaceful Thanksgiving, or, but, but I know you're hungry and we're not going to hand you a meal. We want to put action behind our peace. And one of the things I thought would be healthy is for us to look, man, what might those actions that accompany the peace of God, the peace on earth in our own life, what might those actions look like? So we're not ones that say, go in peace, but don't back that up. The most powerful actions, I think, are the three of them listed on your sheet of paper or if you're doing the fill-in on the app. The first is presence. Uh, that, that 
being present with those who need the peace of God and maybe themselves not having a grounded relationship with God, you become the peace in their world. You can bring calmness to crazy. We offer peace to others by, by being there, showing up, and, and maybe call it imparting peace if you want. You know, we come in and we bring the peace. It's, it's beyond ourselves. It often is in scenarios that are completely uncomfortable for us. But we sacrifice to be the peace that others don't have yet. We enter the unrest in order to bring peace. And, and as a pastor... I get to do that in some pretty insane scenarios. Showing up in the moment of loss in somebody's life uh, while their family member is, is, that they have just lost is there and you come into the space to bring peace and chaos. Um, uh, unexpressible peace comes to people when you see them experience loss but then have the peace to celebrate a life unfathomable. It's beyond us. Without Jesus, I don't know how you can do that. Um, looking at, at peace in the midst of something that could derail someone, and, and you don't go into a room with answers. You go into a room with yourself. I'm just going to be present now. I'm just going to be here. I don't come in with an agenda. That can be very impactful. The second, the second action that is powerful is, come, is prayer. Not only should you be present, but man, we, we've spent some time on this in past series, so I'm not going to dive deep into how to pray and what to pray, but just the reality is we need to pray with people and pray for peace. It's my go-to it's my go-to prayer if you've ever had me in your world when things are going crazy. I'm showing up and I'm praying that God would give you a peace that would guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus because that's what the scripture says that peace does. God gives, give us peace and comfort. And, uh, and that peace, that prayer can do so much more than we imagine. So much more than an encouraging word. So much more than, well, when I experience this, advice... Uh, so much more. It goes beyond words and intellect. Peace. Don't miss the opportunity for God to use you in this way. And I think for some people, prayer is the hard one. Prayer, it's easy to show up and serve someone in a season of need, but it's not that hard to pray. There's no magic formula. There's no magic words. If you have a relationship with Jesus... Talk to Jesus on their behalf. It can be a deal breaker, a difference maker, an incredible moment. Just say a quick prayer. The third thing, the third action that I think will be incredibly helpful, praise. Um, and this was modeled by Zechariah. I think this was powerfully modeled by Zechariah. The first thing he did was worship. And ultimately, the woman with the alabaster jar was worshiping Jesus by anointing his feet and, and serving him and cleaning his feet. That was an act of faith and worship. 
The reality is praise is transformational because when we experience the peace of God and that gratefulness and thankfulness overflows from our life, that's the thing that's evidenced by those around us. They're watching our life and they're saying, how do you have so much peace in what you're facing? And some of us can feel guilty for the peace. We're like, man, I should be just like a wreck right now because I'm in this scenario. Why do I feel peace? Because of Jesus? It's okay to feel peace. It's okay to have control because God is moving in your life. But what we need to do is praise God for it because that becomes the evidence to others of what the difference is in our world. Not that we're worshiping to be seen, but if we give thanks to God out of a genuine overflow of love and gratitude for the peace that he gives us, others take note that, oh, that's the source of their calm. That's the source of their endurance. That's the source that is covering them from being wrecked by this season of their world, of their life. Isaiah 57, 19 says, says this, it says, bringing words of praise to their lips, may they have abundant peace, both near and far, says the Lord who heals them. It's like, not only does he want to give you peace, he wants to to give you the ability for abundant praise and worship of him out of that peace. So that's peace, right? An action point for peace ultimately today is this. Find peace through faith in Jesus. Find peace through faith in Jesus. If you've yet to say, Jesus, okay, today I'm going to choose to follow you as my Lord and Savior, you're going to instantly step into a new world of peace, a new path. Not that all the circumstances of life disappear from around you, but you have this path of peace through them. Again, Psalm 29, 11 says, the Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. So when we make a decision to put our faith in Jesus, we really do have a path that others are missing access to. And I would wish it for every one of you to have access to that that path of peace. Today, I not only want to pray that we can make a decision to follow Jesus in this room, but I want us to put the action to it. One of those moments of worship in the church is communion. And it's something that Jesus challenged his disciples with before he was crucified and before he resurrected from the dead. He gathered them together and he had bread and and wine there. We have grape juice and and French bread and gluten-free bread over here. But anyway, you know, just, it's like Jesus, just not the same. So, uh, but we have this moment where he, he challenged his disciples 
do this in remembrance of me. Like do this in worship for all that I've given you, including this peace, right? And all that I've given you, do this in remembrance of me. Break bread because this is in representation of my body that's going to be broken for you, that's going to go to the cross for you and die for you. And then this juice that you're going to dip the bread in before you take it, this is in representation of my blood, which is going to be shed for you. And it is, it, your healing is in that. Your deliverance is in that. Your peace is in that moment of not only the birth of Jesus coming to this world, but living faithfully all the way to the cross and the resurrection. So we have not only life now, but life eternally. He conquered death, hell, and the grave there. And that's what communion is. Not only did Jesus challenge his disciples before uh, that moment of the crucifixion and resurrection, but then the disciples practiced it. You can see in the New Testament church, they would, they would celebrate communion together. They would break bread and they would, they, they would drink the cup in remembrance of, of him. And today we want to do that as our response in worship, our response to what Jesus has done by being faithful and coming to this earth so that we could have peace on earth by being faithful to go to the cross and give of his body and blood so that we could have life now and eternal and one that has a path of peace. It says in the teachings of the New Testament that we should not take communion if we've yet to choose to follow Jesus because we're ultimately becoming those hypocrites. We're like eating and drinking judgment on ourselves. So that's why we're going to have a moment here where we'll pray. If you haven't decided to follow Jesus, you can do so. And this could be your first communion at Open Life. We'll all stand in a second. And then when you come and make your way, you'll just dip the, the bread in the cup and then you'll take it right there. We don't make you hold it until we all take it at once, if that makes sense. So why don't you stand? We're going to pray together. God, I thank you for the opportunity again, as John prayed earlier, to rent this facility and set it up to worship you today. We're worshiping out of this overflow of gratitude. All of us can think of scenarios that you've got us through in moments of peace that just should not have been peaceful. Those of us who've been following you, we get it. We get this path of peace thing. And it's great to reflect on it and know the promises around it and why it exists in our life. So thank you that you give us so much scripture to confirm the experience we're having and yet challenge us of the actions of our faith in you and, and in the fruit of this relationship with you, peace. That you can allow us to go in peace no matter what we're facing is amazing. Some in this room yet, though, have not made a decision to follow you. And that's okay. I get it. It takes time to figure this thing out. But I pray today, if they're ready, that this would be that day where they, they simply invite you into their life. They say, I'm going to choose to follow you, Jesus. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I want this forgiveness that that woman received. I want this peace that Zachariah experienced and worshiped you for. And God, may you change their world right now. Let them see and experience peace like never before. And God, as we celebrate with the elements of communion today, as we take the bread in remembrance of your body and the price you paid on the cross, as we take that bread and put it in the juice in resemblance or in remembrance of, of your blood that was 
shed for us. We, we worship you. We know it's only through you that we get to live the life of peace we live today. And God, we pray that we would never stop being so incredibly thankful for that. Even as we enter into the season of, of Christmas and we celebrate all that is around your coming to this earth, may we never forget why you came. So we open up the season today by celebrating it. You came to give your life so that we could have life. We celebrate you through communion today in Jesus' name.